Hey, we're in a series here called More Than, and uh, last week we, we, we jumped into the initial talk, and we talked about quite a few things that money cannot do, and, and we put a lot of faith and a lot of weight in financial stuff, right? Like we, we put a bunch of weight in, you know, money can, if, if we just have money, we won't have marriage stress. If we just have, if we have money, our kids will have more opportunities. If we have money, then maybe like my faith will be greater because I could give more to God and he'll love me more. No, no, no. He loves you as much as he can love you. He loved you the ultimate amount of love that can be loved and went to a cross for you and gave his life up for you and rose again three days later for you so you can have eternal life. Love done, right? It's, it's, that act of love is accomplished. Now it's just us opening ourselves up to his love and our heart up to his love. So last week we talked about these desires of our heart and, and whether we're going to trust in, in, in treasures or whether we're going to trust in like God, whether we're going to align our desires with Jesus. And uh, we're going to unpack that a little deeper today because money cannot make you generous. And we'll unpack a little bit of that next week as well. In fact, this is how we got to where we're at in this series. We were, we were talking through, like, what would be a good three-week, let's grasp finances type dialogue? And it turned into five weeks, uh, not on just finances. Like, we're going to wreck your world in a couple weeks. Like, seriously, our campus pastor in Sumner was sharing this week that he doesn't even think in two weeks he can give the talk live. He's got to record it because otherwise he'll weep like a baby the whole time. So it's powerful. You don't want to miss it. You're going to have to set your clocks forward an hour the night before, too. So I apologize. Usually it's a good day to sleep in, but you won't want to miss it. Just saying. I'm teasing that talk. I'm very excited about it. And... But now we said, let's talk about, like, what money cannot, and then let's talk about being generous, and then let's help people understand, like, this and that. And we were like, wait, you can't be generous unless your perspective is aligned with God's in the area of finances. Like, it's impossible for us. Sometimes we feel like we're being generous, but really we're being charitable. And then we got to get our perspective aligned with God's in what he teaches about stewardship, right? It's this big word. And so today, that's what we're going to dive into, the subject of stewardship, because we, we, we wanted to share, hey, money cannot give you a good marriage. Money cannot make your kids' faith better. Money can't do these things. But you can't just jump to generosity. You got to understand the, the perspective of stewardship. Like, what's our relationship with all this stuff God has made in the world? And the big idea today, therefore, is everything belongs to God. God the Father, right? I understand that. I understand the God the Father thing. You know why? I'm a father. Something happened this year. Uh, Really, last year, right at the end of the year. So I've shared it a little before, but our twin girls just turned 13, right? They're teenagers. They're freaking us out. That's just a reality. We need counseling. But moving on, uh, we, uh, you know, just pray for us. You're like, prayer request for Thad. It's on all your Connect cards today, right? Prayer request, Thad, teenagers, enough said. You know? uh, but they turned 13, and, and here's, we, we let them into a new world at Christmas time. 
cell phone world, <laughs> right? And we had held out, huh? Come on, parents. Some of you are like, way to go. You got all the way to 13? You the man. It's a reality. Their peers all had phones, and not just phones. They've got computers in their hands that cost so much, right? It just makes me angry. But moving on, we were out there shopping and looking for deals and all this, and you know what I did? I went out, and I bought two phones. My money. My card, which we pay off every month. Just throw that out. I'm talking about stewardship. Uh, And so, you know, and we have those phones in their possession. When they unwrapped those, which I did not wrap, Dana did, and they, like, were ecstatic and excited that they finally had phones. They had to understand something. Those are my phones. Right? Right? I bought, all you parents are going, oh, yeah, that's right. That's a, you're right, that's my phone. You know, it's just like, those are my phones. I bought those phones with my money. My name's on the contract. I'm responsible for two years, a month, you know. That's me. I'm the one responsible for those. But if they happen to break, if they happen to be stolen, If anything crazy happens to these phones, then it's on my girls, right? It's time that they break open those piggy banks and take some ownership of what they've been entrusted to steward these phones. Does that make sense? We do this all the time in our life. We, we trust people with our stuff, and, and they have an opportunity to take good care of it or be lazy with it or, you know, leave it somewhere. Or, and they, That's a lot of responsibility. They would not be able to replace those phones. They would have to go get themselves like a Motorola flip phone or something. <laughs> do they still make those? Anyway, so I think my, grand, my, my dad has one or something. Uh, but I look at this, and I go... Kids, you're grounded from my phone. <laughs> Not my phone. You give me my phone. And they're like, this is my phone. No, who's, who bought that? You know, they hate that kind of stuff. And, uh, but it's kind of fun. Every once in a while, you just pull the father hat. Right? That's the relationship. We've got to realize everything in this world, God made. That means no matter what you do for work, it's a reality of over the course of time and creative, creativity and production and, and, and all the worlds and generations that have landed to today, our jobs, our world, the stuff we're able to hold in our possession, it's all God's. And we're entrusted to treat it with honor and thanks, ultimately. And the challenge is, how are we doing with that? And do we have a correct perspective on it? And I pray that by the end of this talk today, maybe we can just stop the leakage. Maybe you'll just walk out going, I guess I do need a plan. Maybe we'll reevaluate our relationship with finances because God's desire is that we wouldn't put our trust where moth and rust destroy. The story we're going to read today is in Matthew. And really, we're just going to catch the end of the story. So let me give you the beginning of the story. It's a story of 
these three servants and this, their master ultimately is going on a journey. And so he calls three servants to entrust to his possessions. And depending on what version of the Bible you have, it might say that he entrusts them gold, or another translation says he's going to entrust them with bags of silver. But he does something interesting. He gives the first guy ten bags, he gives the second guy five bags, and the third guy one. It says, each to each in accordance with their ability. So he's seen them steward and manage stuff before. He's seen how reliable they were. And so to one, he blessed them because their ability, their potential, they're a 10-bagger. Right? So like, yes, Lord, make me a 10-bagger. Just sounds fun. Uh, to the second guy, he was a five-bagger guy, you know. And so he was entrusted with five bags. And the one-bagger, maybe he just didn't know about the one-bagger. He's like, I have one left over. You. Right? And, and we'll unpack that. Because the portion we're going to read, the interesting part, he comes back from a long journey, it says. He's gone for some time, comes back. And the 10 beggar doubled his bags. He's like, Master, here's 20. Hope you enjoyed your trip. And he's like, Woo, you've been faithful with much. You'll be entrusted with much. And he's like, Whoa, really? Five beggar, same thing, doubled it. And he's like, You've been entrusted with much. You're going to, you get more. You get more. The one beggar, it didn't work out so well. See, he buried it. He buried it. He had a misconception of his master's intent with possessions. He had a misconception. Just that he didn't quite understand what to do with this bag. And so we're going to hear the response, which sounds really mean. And some of you, you might be sitting there. Especially like teenagers, you're going, wait, okay, wait. Like, that's unfair that he gave one ten and another five and another one. Right? We live in this world of everybody gets a trophy. You're, you're all, you know, the most valuable player today. And they all get an award. And, and you got to make new awards to help them figure that out, right? And so, yeah, but you, the reality is, no, we each have been graced with abilities, And God's desire is not that you live up to your potential, but that you live up to your own potential. You don't have to carry the weight or the pressure of this other individual. Just be you. So, that said, the one guy buries it. Jesus shares the story like this. It's a parable. It's not real. He's making it up. But he shares this, verse 24. It says, then the servant with one bag of silver, came and said, Master, I knew you're a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. What's he saying there? He's like, okay, like, Master, we planted this stuff. Like, did you see me last week? I was out there weeding in the hot sun. This wasn't you didn't do the work, but yet you get the money. So unfair. Right? And that's, he's, so he's kind of telling his master, he's calling his master out. It's not going to go well, right? It's like, you, you didn't do any of this. It's not really yours. It's mine. I did the work. Verse 25. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money. Shaking the dirt off of it, right? 
But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with ten bags. What? The one percent's like, no way, whoa, no, what? right? <laughs> See what I'm saying? And uh, he gives, but he does, he just gives it. Gives it to the guy with 10. Doesn't work out too well because he's going to be entrusted with it. So everybody's just like really upset here, right? And he says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even the little they have will be taken away. Stewardship thought number one. Stewardship is telling money where to go. Stewardship is telling money where to go. I mean, this story just brings to light, and we're going to unpack it more uh, in a different context next week. Have a little surprise next week, too. It's going to be good. Anyway, uh, so uh, but the steward here did not comprehend. He had a wrong perspective of both money, but mainly of the owner, of the master. Like he just didn't, he could have put it in the bank. He's, he, he just had a wrong perspective of the, he thought it was so unfair that the master wanted money. He just thought it was so unfair. And I think you or me have wrestled with this. I have. And I've shared this story before. I remember when I was a little dude. And my great-grandpa Thaddeus passed away. And then right after, right before that, actually, my, my grandpa passed away. So it was just this real emotional. I was like four. But I remember the squabbles amongst family and just the fights for inheritances. And it was ugly. It was not pretty at all. And so I just kind of had this perception of money and that it's like this big evil. And there's just some whacked things going on inside my head with it. And all of a sudden... Uh, I remember when we finally got the inheritance years later. And I remember that my parents cut a check to like a televangelist for 10% of it. I was, there's all kinds of words for what I was, but they all kind of mean angry. <laughs> I was just not happy. I was like, what? You fought for years. You like s- created divisions in your family and your relatives because you guys were just battling over money and you just cut a check for 10% to this guy on TV? What are you doing? And I became like embittered towards the master. I thought he was unfair. I thought he harvested where he did not sow. I was the one beggar. And then I grew up and became a young adult and made horrible financial decisions and ended up in debt like crazy and, and deep in sin and far from God, gave my life to Jesus, and as I was growing, started realizing, oh, I had God all wrong. 
Like he cares so much about me and he loves me and he knows that my heart is just torn and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I put treasures in areas I shouldn't. I depend on things that he never intended for me to depend on. He wants me to depend on him and seek him first and all these things will be added to me. But if I, one of those hiccups, one of those things that trips me up is money and, and he knew that. And the moment I surrendered to him, the moment I gave him the trust of all my life, which included finances, I literally never had financial struggles again. It was, un- it was in- unbelievable. But the most important thing I realized initially, the first step for me, was really realizing I needed to tell my money where to go. Like I was just letting it go. Right? Money leaks. You may have heard that before. Vision leaks, money leaks, all those different. Money leaks. Have you ever got to the end of the month and you're like, wait, where did all of our money go? Have you ever had that moment? And you're just like, we made the same amount this month, right? Um, and we didn't make any more trips to Starbucks than normal, did we? <laughs> um, honey, don't look at the receipts. I wasn't even there. Every day. Anyway, moving on. Uh, you know, you, start, you do. You get to that moment where you're like, where did it all go? And then you realize, oh, a little here, a little there, a little there. Oh, wow. It just kind of leaked because I didn't have a plan. But if I had a plan and held myself to that plan and maybe even allowed God to speak towards that plan, what could happen? Instead of my money just disappearing. And sometimes... We put our money towards things that we disagree with. We realize, man, I've been supporting something. Like, I supported the Sonics leaving Seattle, and I still am. Dana's dad still doesn't drink Starbucks. Just saying. Just saying. Howard is the enemy. (laughs) It's not pretty. So if I ever have a Starbucks cup, you just don't bring it to Dana's dad's house. It's an ugly day. Ugly day. So I I look at that and just go, man... Where are we putting our treasure and where are we letting finances leak? God's intent is that we wouldn't let things leak out. Biblical stewardship is realizing that we are stewards of things that belong to God and we're supposed to be the ones that are aware of 100%. Where's it going? What's happening with it? And some of you might say, well, budgets are for those on tight finances. And I get it. Honestly, right now, uh, you know, we've gone through a season of a couple years where we weren't living paycheck to paycheck. And so it wasn't as much of a, a necessity for us to go, okay, here's the envelope. This is all the food we get for the rest of the month. You know, we just didn't, we didn't have to do that. But I think in the times that we don't have to, it's just as important to have the system in place so that we can actually be intentional with where our money's going. And God gave in a portion to the ability of the people. And some of you are going, well, maybe I don't have to budget because, like, I'm rolling. Have you seen me? You see what I drove up in today? Top down, my head's wet. <laughs> I don't know. But it's just like, it's like, no, um, what If you're rolling, think of what God could do through you in the kingdom, in the world. You probably have the abilities of a ten beggar. Can he trust you with the ten bags? 
He wants to bless you with that. He wants to entrust you with more. There's all kinds of potential in this world if we'll align ourselves to God's heart. It's a heart thing. Thought two, stewardship is a heart transaction. Followers, as followers of Jesus, we're challenged by Jesus to surrender all areas of our life, right? 100%. And so we kind of, we hit on this passage last week. This is like the main passage that inspired the series. But uh, Matthew 6, 19 and 21, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth and the uh, eat, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. God's into our heart, not our finances. Yeah, he talks a lot about finances because he knows it's a key to our heart. God sent his son, Jesus, to die for you, not that you could financially support his church. He sent his son to take your place on the cross to forgive you of sins because he's in love with you. And he wants us to be in love with him. He wants to be the treasure of our heart, right? And I think sometimes when we're talking about finances, we get all nervous because we're like, what, what does the offering look like at the end of the series? What's he going to ask for? Holy moly, right? Not, not Zero. That's not the goal of the series. The goal of the series is our heart. In our heart in alignment with Jesus. Because you know what's at the end of the series? It's Easter. And Easter hits at the end of March. And there's people we know that we see, that we interact with, that need to understand how much Jesus loves them. That's what Easter is. It's a love story. And man, if we could get our hearts in alignment with God's right now, here in the midst of this series, think of what God could do through us with those we love in a season where they're all open to hear about what Jesus did for them. Anyway, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, Easter, the, we want your heart, right? Stewardship and giving is not a financial transaction. It's a heart transaction. It's God touching us and allowing us to be surrendered in all areas of our life. And for some reason, that's the one we hold onto like a one beggar. It's tough to let go of. When the desires of our heart don't line up, then we miss blessings and entrusting elements. Jesus is just like, man, I just want to entrust you with this. Please be a good steward. Give me your heart. There's nothing wrong with having money. In fact, like I said, if you have a lot and God keeps blessing you financially and, and you don't even know what God teaches about finances, pretty good hint that God is blessing you to be a blessing. Stewardship, thought three, is having a plan. Simple, right? Stewardship is having a plan. Now, I remember the day when I'd been in church for just a little bit of time, and I was not able to pay my bills, and I didn't really understand what giving, like how to give to church at all. had no idea. So I was a good tipper, 
You know, I'd, oh, what do I have today? You know, and, but I didn't really have a plan of giving. I, I didn't have a plan of budgeting on the outside of church. I had no plan for the 100%, let alone what I should do in a church environment. And I started going to church, and they would, you know, challenge us with giving and stuff. And I was like, oh, well, I'd just grab an amount, and, well, I'll give. Like, they would do, like, these mission emphasis weeks where they would ask us to, to stretch our faith and uh, support missionaries and the work they do around the world, which I totally believe in and do, uh, both personally and we do as a church. And, uh, and so I would throw a number out there and just go after a number. And then I got to this verse. Honestly, I think in first, uh, the First Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 verse that we're, I'm going to read in a second, I got to it, I think, when I was studying to become a pastor. It was like that late in the process. So I was still trying to get this finance thing. And this just jumped off the page to me and made so much sense. I wanted to share it with you when you're thinking of a plan for your 100%. First Corinthians 6 says, Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. A portion of the money you've earned. Having a plan keeps us from going beyond our means. If we understand our portion, and then we understand, man, I, a portion of this portion, I'm going to give back to you, God. And if my portion increases, your portion will increase, Lord. Right? It just, for some reason, that made sense to me. And so I knew the first step I had to do is equate for all 100%. I had to figure out, like, what is it? What are my, what's my income? What are my expenses? Where is this going? Is it going where I want to go, right? I needed a, a plan here because if I thought I was making this much, but I was actually only making this much, but I was spending this much, but I was making this much, I'm spending my neighbor's money. And Proverbs 22.7 says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is a servant to the lender. I was like, ugh. I was serving $27,000 over here that was not mine. I spent it before its time. And it took me years to dig out of that, to live within my means, because I had never done the math. Kind of crazy for a kid of an accountant, Right? And I'm sitting here going, oh, my goodness. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And you know what I hated? My 100%, because it wasn't getting me over here. Man, in the day, it was like the deal. I had me... A charge card at the Bon Marche. I got me one of those fancy vests. Those 80s chess king vests. But I bought it at the Bon. Oh, yeah. You know, it was just weird. Like, the things I put my money on, I won't tell you all the things. It wouldn't build up Jesus. But anyway, I just, I threw a lot of money away. I threw a lot, trying to impress people. 
trying to throw the greatest party. It's kind of a hint to maybe where some of them went, but uh, a lot of it. And I charged it and multiple charge cards with interest rates that were just ridiculous. And I was a slave to the borrower. I was, I was spending 120% of my income. And then all of a sudden, now my debt was equal to 100% of my income as a young adult, as a 20-year-old. And I was, I was like, just throw the dirt on. I'm dead. Like, this is no point. But then I saw light at the end of the tunnel when I just surrendered it all. I said, okay, God, here it is. Help. Help. Having a plan frees you to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things and gives you this right relationship and the weight is lifted off with God. And, man, it was just like boom for me. It was incredible. So along the lines of that thought, thought four is a lot like thought three. Stewardship is giving the right portions at the right time. At the right time. And so here's where, let's look, what is God's system he put in place? Now, this is interesting. God in the Old Testament put a giving system in place, but he did it through the lens of offerings that were already made to him. There were some moments in the the, the beginning of the Bible where people were in awe on God, so they would give him 10% of everything they had just as a love offering. Thank you, God. And so when the law came out and Moses like received this law and delivered it to God's people, this divine moment would have been awesome to see. And he, he took some of the practices of people and wrote it into law. And one of them is defined this way. It's in Leviticus 27.30. It says, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or, or fruit, you must pay its value, plus 20%. Huh? That's interesting. That's just weird. Uh, but moving on, verse 32. Count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord is holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals. You may not substitute one for another. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animals and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought back. Whoa. So like... Let's just put this into visual understanding, right? So he's like, man, one-tenth, produce of the land. They're going to pass under a staff as it unpacks later. You know, you basically put out a rod. Animals are walking by. And the, the first one of every ten is holy. It's set apart. It's God's. I don't get to choose which one. If I want to choose which one, I have to give a 20% kickback. Wow. Chop the leg off the next one, give it to God. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. It's so crazy. So sometimes we hear these stories and we're like, now, huh? You know, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, let's say you went out to the farm and brought in like 10 bundles of broccoli, right? Yeah. Well, this is the first one, so I got to set apart. I got to set this apart. It's holy because God wants that one, but I've got to, um, I get to keep all of these ones here. This is going to be, 
It's going to be fun. Oh, man, that was a big one, too. That's really good. Any of you like eating broccoli? Dip it in, like, ranch or whatever. Our harvest was good. This is harder one-handed than I thought here. Okay, there you go. You know, so if, man, just one of these has to go to the Lord, maybe I should give him the smallest one, right? Because I just, just it's one-tenth. Oh, shoot, I'd have to give 20% more. Not going to do that. I'm going to keep that one, right? So that's it's pretty easy to, to comprehend, right? You get this? Oh, yeah. Who doesn't like Who's monkeying around now up here, right? So you bring in 10 good bananas. You got the bananas, and you're like, this is the first one that fell off the bundle. I didn't choose this one. Because if I, now if I'm like, well, God, I want to give you the biggest banana, you can't choose. God chose this one. So, you know, that's pretty much, who's got the better deal right now here? Right? So far, it keeps going, people. So God is going to continue to bless us because, man, if we're faithful, he keeps pouring out the blessing. Anybody like, are these cucumbers? These are cucumbers. I grew up on a farm, and I would get in trouble for sneaking out and picking all the cucumbers in the garden and eating them before they could come in to the house. And uh, God, this this is because I love you right there, my heart right there, right? You see that? So it's like this is a pretty good deal. Like God's saying, set apart one and keep the nine. No matter whether the biggest one is over there or over here. Oh, dude, I missed a cucumber. Well, sorry, God. I might have been trying to cheat you, so I'm going to just to make sure. <laughs> Don't want to get in trouble. Uh, so, you know, we got these tomatoes. Ooh, they're connected in here. Sweet. Right? How many of you think tomatoes like the devil vegetable? You just hate eating tomatoes. Anybody? Anybody? I just, the only thing I told Dana not to snag for this illustration, I'm just going to grab the top one here. The only one was cantaloupe. I was like, I do not even want to smell that. It's disgusting. So, uh, beets would have been awful too, but you can't smell beets. Do you see how this is like a, a really good deal going on here? Is it? So God said he's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not come against it. And he puts in place a system where he gets that, and, and we get this. Man, we had a good pear tree. Oh, Jesus. Ah, sorry, Lord. Sorry. You know, just, I was just not a wise steward. Top apple or pear. I don't even know my fruit. You see what's happening here, right? Why would I, as his servant, get mad when this is the deal? Why would I get mad? I can't believe that they take offerings in a church to help the poor and needy in my city. Oh, they just beg for money. They gave meals away to people. They're enablers. 
they did this to the, it's our communities going to suffer because they're generous. I've been, you would be surprised. In the, what crowds I was in when I was scrutinized and scolded for giving school supplies to students. How do you know they're not just taking advantage of the money that was set apart to be the Lord's? Because this is what we gave to the students of Liberty Ridge Elementary School. Not this. This went towards Friday night at the Urban Timber. The ladies drinking some coffee and enjoying company with one another. Hanging out, right? That's what this is. Gasoline. Way too much went to gasoline. You know, unless you drive a Prius. Like me. I don't fit in in Buckley still. Uh, guess what? Right here. Oh, yeah. Some potatoes. Hey, my group, where do you think our potatoes are going to come from for Wednesday? That's why we signed up for it right here. Um, these are all holy to the Lord, so I might as well just put them on. <laughs> we decided as a family to give our nine potatoes to the work of the Lord at groups. See, it's getting so big I can't even, like, unpack it, you know. So, Lord, I'll grab the top one. This is what God does in our life. He pours out things into our world and we get to give to God first. We get to supply us second. Whoa! Apple on the run! The things that happen behind the curtain. There's a hole in this bag. It's going to be disastrous. This, doesn't this just make sense? How can we be... I didn't give the bruised apple to God. <laughs> One of them is bruised. How can we be mad at the master... When he says, I love you, live an abundant life, I'm going to bless you. Just have a plan and set a portion aside for me, for my work. Final, don't cry about these onions. Make somebody cut these up. We get some tears in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Right? So let's say that's our harvest. And guess what open life does? We take 10% of this and give it right immediately back into the community. God set up a system long, long ago that Jesus challenged us not to erase. He said, man, you should do this and pay taxes. You should do this and pray. You should do this and care for the needy. And he sets up a plan. And he says, you know why I did this? Because for some reason, this corrupts your heart. I don't get it. I didn't write it. But I found out that it's true. Because the moment I surrendered all of this to God and started to give him this, my world flipped upside down and I fell in love with God and understood his love for me. And I've not had fear of finances since. Everything belongs to God. Stewardship is telling money where to go or harvest where to go. Stewardship is a heart transaction. Stewardship is having a plan. 
Stewardship is giving the right portions at the right time. First to God, what he sets apart, then supplying our needs. So how is stewardship going for you? When you look at your, do you know your 100%? Do you know what your income is and what your expenses are? What steps do you need to take to better open up your life in this area to God? Our action point is easy today. Evaluate what he has given you and what you'll give back. That simple. It's really that simple. Create a budget. Challenge you this week. If you don't have one, create one. See where it's going. If you give regularly, consider giving a percentage. Sure, the Levitical loss gave us an example of 10%. But just grab a percent if you've never given by percent before. Because guess what? Some of you, God may challenge to give more than 10%. Rick Warren, the author of Purpose Driven Life, gives 91% back. At a conference a couple years ago, he shared that. And I was like, the most popular book besides the Bible. What does he do with it? He gives it the money back to change the world. That's, that's generosity. If you give regularly, say, God, okay, I'll try this portion thing. We've given you some tools on the, the bottom of your handout and as well online. If you're filling out the digital connect card, you'll see uh, there, if you're following along with the service, there's some tools you could link right. They're hyperlinked over to different websites, whether it's like everydollar.com, mint.com, which is a great app, goodbudget.com, a digital envelope system to create a budget, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover, or Online Financial Peace University. We put all those resources on our website, on the app, so that you could follow through today's notes, click on those, and, and have a plan. That's our goal, is we just, that God could grab a hold of our heart, and we'd no longer be lorded over by what we just don't have a plan for. I don't want you to be slaves anymore to a lender, whatever that means in your world. I want you to be freed up, because the moment you do moment you comprehend the portion God blesses us with, joy just wrecks you. So here's a crazy conclusion to a talk on stewardship. Communion. Say what? And wow, how did I go so long? Anyway, all the, all the fruit. Thank you, Lord, for the fruit of the harvest. Okay, moving on. We're going to take communion. Why? Well, we want to do it more. One, because it's us remembering the challenge Jesus gave us, that whenever we gather, we have an opportunity to, to break the bread in remembrance of his body, suffered what he suffered on the cross for us, and his blood shed, which is just grape juice. Take that piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and, and it's celebration of what he did on the cross. Well, why did he do that? He loves us, and he wants our heart. So he wants us to partake in communion as, an, as a moment of surrender. And his challenge for us is take of communion if we've chosen to follow Jesus, if we've invited Jesus into our life. So if you've yet to do that, 
you can feel free to pass today. Or you can make a decision to follow Jesus and celebrate what he did on the cross and what he did in the grave, overcoming death, hell, and to give us the ultimate eternal life. For the first time today, it's called communion. So while the worship team sings, I'm going to pray. We're going to allow you to stand up and make your way to the communion elements. Make it back to your seat, and John will come and close out the service in just a second with a microphone that he can find easier this time. So, Lord, I do thank you that you do give us an abundance of fruit in our life. Like, everything is yours. I just hope we can grasp that today. I hope that we can walk out of here and just go, okay, God, here's my life. Here's my, here's my budget. Here's my income. Here's my expenses. Show me what I am to do. I surrender it. I surrender it to you. And why would we do that if we've yet to surrender our life to you? It's not a magic way to prosper, to give to a church. It's not a magic way to become rich. It is a magic way to put in alignment the desires of our heart. Not really magic. You created it. You put it in motion. So, God, we surrender to you. And maybe some in this place need to take, make a decision to follow you today and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you. I want to learn what it is to have a Savior that reaches down. You didn't send a condemner, God. You sent a Savior. We surrender today to Jesus. And if you've yet to do that today and you say, I, just, I do, I want to invite Jesus into my life and, and take communion for the first time ever in my life, I'm going to pray with you right now. God, I just pray right now they would repeat and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for caring so much about me that you would give even a detail of how I'm supposed to be a steward. I surrender to you, and I can't wait to learn what it is to follow you more faithfully. God, we give you thanks to whatever challenge you're awakening in each of us. Open our hearts up that the desires of our heart would be you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.